And hello, we are back talking dog. I'm your host, Gardner Smith, and I've got my co-host here. Co-host? I got elevated? I thought just a sidekick. Uh, no, you're officially now a co-host. Oh, really? Until I say differently. A lot can happen in a week. Well, yeah, a lot has happened in the week. Uh, so welcome back, everybody. Let me see here. Uh, we also have our friend Jamie Good here. Jamie, are you there? Yes, sir. Hi, how you doing? Uh, good, good. Uh, how was your week? Very, very cold. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, as we were talking earlier, it's a good time to ba- buy a bathing suit in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting out of town next week, thank God. Oh, good. Where are you going? I'm going to the Dominican Republic. Oh, well, that's going to suck. Yeah, yeah, I get to skip all the Christmas driving and stress and just sit on a beach for a week. I can't wait. Beautiful. I'm going to drink the water out of the tap for a whole week. <laughs> good. I hope you survive. <laughs> Me too. Uh, okay, so Dave, where do you think we should start? Well, I, I think, first of all, we should start by letting people know if, if, uh, if they're listening, that where they can go to find out more about what we do and some of our gift ideas and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've got a great website, uh, talkingdog.com. Uh, check it out. You can listen to previous shows at uh, Stuff from the Show page. You can also find out uh, about upcoming events. Um, See part some pictures. Now, we, we still need pe- people to send in holiday pictures of their dog. Doesn't matter what holiday, what they're doing, whatever. Slap a, a uh, Santa hat on them. Slap some reindeer horns, antlers, uh, whatever you need to do. And we will, we've actually, uh, Eric from our guest last week has uh, given us a $25 gift certificate to his store, which is incredibly generous. And this is Eric's store with the, the puffy uh, the jacket. Sonoma. Uh, yeah, maybe the puffy. You know, I did run into a puffy, uh, puppy, puffy, puppy jacket, and uh, my friend has one, and it looks amazing. But Eric from the Sonoma Pet Center is uh, donating that $25 gift certificate, so uh, send him in. You know, there's not a lot of uh, people in there right now, so your chances are really good to win this thing. <laughs> they're, they're, actually, they're, they're really good. Did we, did we emphasize that? Yes. Uh, yes. So... so Send send more yeah. pictures in so they, they won't be as good. Right? Send it to the email at show at talkingdog.com. And, uh, or you can just put it in. Uh, no, that's the best way, really. I think that, yeah. Yeah, show at talkingdog.com. So I, I, I can just add, I was just talking to one of our listeners as I was driving in. So oh. those of you that are out there near, uh, you know, Sacramento, send in a picture of your dog. Excellent. Yes, we're reaching all across the United States. Okay. Uh, Any other news from this week? Um, yeah, I had a uh, presentation at the Vintage House and uh, went really well. Good turnout, um, a well-behaved audience, uh, and we uh, um, uh, got some good information. The information was, uh, well, my presentation yesterday was called uh, Reading Dogs 101, and we just went over what what you see in uh, the behavior and the body posture and the physical signs of not only your dog but other dogs and how you can read uh, and get an idea of what you're looking at in terms of temperament, personality, and uh, how to handle that dog, whether you're in a kennel, uh, kennel situation, at the dog park, uh, or just walking down the street. And, uh, Jamie, you've got a, real, a good good background on reading dogs. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been fortunate. I mean, I've worked, as I mentioned, with thousands and thousands of dogs. Um, I think I've been bitten three times. 
So what yeah, are the pretty good? What are the first things that you look for when you come across a dog? When you you know strange dog, what what are you looking at? You know, when you mention it, a lot of it has become so subconscious. But um, I'm looking for its tail position. If mm-hmm. it's wagging its tail, yeah. Um, looking at its ears, if they're down or back. Um, if the dog seems nervous, and and it's you know it's it's really a feel of of reading. Um, what did what we what did you mention in your presentation that you look for that would be worrisome when you meet well, a dog? Yeah, well, when I'm looking, one of the major things is if it's breathing. You know, if it's panting, I can I know it's relaxed. Uh, if it's holding its breath and and uh, not and just holding its mouth closed, it's a little bit tense. Uh, I'm looking for the overall body posture. Is it fluid movements or is it goose stepping? Is it really tight? Those are the mm-hmm. things. I'm, and of course, the wagging of the tail. Uh, stiff wagging is something I pay attention more to than the, you know, the lolly, the you know, smooth, uh, relaxed tail wag. Um, direct eye contact as well, and whether the dog is paying attention to me—that's uh, a big thing. But it was a great it was a great presentation, and uh, for future, they're already invited me back to give another presentation. But we haven't come up with a date. Um, but uh, it should be another great presentation at the Vintage House here in Sonoma. Uh, let's see, Dave. What do you think? Uh, should we go on to our major subject today? Uh, our major subject today is uh, is pet peeves, right? <laughs> yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, Pet peeves. Now, when we talk about pet peeves, we're letting you in on the pet peeves of our professional handlers and dog trainers and stuff. So don't take it personally when we we might not be talking about you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I I know just in the course of conversation this week and preparing for the show, you firsthand experienced a, a few pet peeves. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, a day can't go by without me running into a couple pet peeves. But uh, let's see. One of my top ones that I keep seeing all over the town is, or all, everywhere I go, is people allowing their dogs to ride in the front seat in their lap while they're driving. It just drives me crazy. Uh, well, hold on a second. Ladybug, get off my lap. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, do you have airbags in your car, Jamie? Yeah, I know. It's extraordinarily dangerous. Yeah, it's really dangerous. If, you, if you've if you got your dog in your lap and you're driving around and for whatever reason your airbag goes off, you're going to die. Um, the dog is going to get blown into your face and it's going to kill you uh, as well as the dog. Um, and then, you know... I was, you know, if you've got a passenger in the passenger seat and they have a dog on the on their lap, same thing. You have, but on the other hand, you know, I just don't want it in the front seat. Um, a dog in the passenger seat just hanging out, it probably won't trigger the switch that uh, arms the airbag. But you know, if you hit if you hit something, the dog's going to go in the windshield anyway. That's that's one of my pet peeves. I just can't stand it. Um, uh, you got one, Jamie. So- well, Have you experienced doggy seatbelts, Gardner? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, you have to be disciplined to use them. You get in the habit of actually using it. Uh, a harness one, definitely. Uh, I have dogs in the back of my truck on tie downs, so they can't uh, they can't make contact with other dogs and stuff. But it's just a way to secure the dog. It's also a way to secure the dog when you open the do- door. They don't run out. You don't allow them to run out, and they can't run out. You know. Mm. Uh, what about you? Does Ladybug have a, a sparkly uh, harness? 
No, she does not, actually. You just made me feel very guilty. Yeah. Um, she has a doggy bed in the back seat of the car where she spends the majority of the time. But she does, I've I got to admit it, she, she spends time on the passenger seat as we work together. Do now, I'm going to have to reevaluate it. Well, yeah. Um, if I was going to allow a dog in the front seat with me, I'd definitely have it on a harness and a seatbelt. Yeah. Um, uh, but so it, where, if we're, what would be the safest place for the dog on the floor of the back seat? Yeah. In the back seat, um, in the crate, you know, the safest way to do it is in a crate in the very back of the car. Um, it's, you know, it's protecting it from flying objects. Uh, but you know, just in the back, I think in the back generally, because if you get, if you get hit or you come to a stop really quickly, the dog is going to get thrown over that back and all the way to the front. It can hit you in the back of the head. All sorts of things can happen. So safety first, secure the dog, make sure it's in a place that um, it's going to be, be going to be safe. Well, Christmas is just around the corner, Gardner. Um, oh. I can think of a great gift for me. All right. Well, I'll look at it. I'll look at it. <laughs> Uh, you know, and maybe a, a leather harness uh, for Ladybug. I don't know if you're into that kind of thing, but um, <laughs> it might be an idea. Uh, what do you got for a pet peeve, Jamie? Well, I, I mean, I think the biggest one is I see owners that are really too cavalier about their dog's safety um, in terms of having it contained. Um, I'm constantly meeting new clients, and I go there to talk about how we're going to keep the dog safe. And you come to the front door, and they let the dog off, off leash right near a road and they do not have recall and it only takes somebody running by with jogging by with a dog and a car coming by and it can be a tragedy um yeah and people are generally you know they say well it usually doesn't run across the street but that isn't good enough and it's just the worst thing that could ever happen is your dog encountering a vehicle yeah it, it, and they don't have the belief that it can happen until it does it's really um it's scary. Honestly. Yes, the, I think that's a right. The right word is cavalier. You know, the worst case scenario is uh, the dog is killed. Uh, one just below that is the dog. Uh, you know, you start accumulating large thousands and thousands of dollars in vet bills to uh, to help the dog survive. Uh, yeah, and, and then you're putting yourself at risk. You're putting your financial stability in risk uh, by doing that kind of thing. Um, so we got. Unsecured dogs in a in a moving vehicle as a, as a pet peeve. Um, that's a danger not only to the vehicle when it's moving, but when Jamie, as you pointed out, when the car stops and the dog jumps out. Uh, yep, like a shotgun of fur out the back door, you know, and it just runs around. All right, here's here's another one, and I might get in trouble for this, but what a pet peeve of mine is a dog story being told to me that goes over five or ten sentences. <laughs> okay so i mean we all love to talk about our dogs we like to tell everybody how cute they are and what it is but uh it just goes on and on i want to hear how cute your dog is and i want to hear that funny story but just keep it down to a minimum sentences it's kind of like the rule that i tell my son um that we have in our house that uh dreams telling me a dream should never be more than five sentences because <laughs> it can go on and on and on uh, yeah, th that that applies to literature as well. <laughs> Nothing worse than three pages of someone's dream. Yes, time for a, a new book. <laughs> um, right, speaking of dreams, yes, uh, we, we just had a, a dream fulfilled. We we have a 
question come in from a listener. Live. Oh my god! Oh my god! Live. Hold on. This, I just wake the kids, this. phone well, the neighbors. Literally <laughs> one minute ago. Although right. I, I am going to read it uh, right. verbatim, so we may want to explain how to do the email because the beginning of this it actually came in via text. The beginning was ugh. Uh, I, I can't figure out how to email to you guys, but the pet peeve. Mm. People who pick up poop and bag it, but leave it on the trail. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, it's I awful. Can't. You know, they're, they're 20, you know, 40 feet, 100 yards into their walk, and they just leave it there. And they're even probably going to pass it by because a lot of these trails around here are in and outs. They're not loops. Yeah, it's awful. You know, what? You know, walk back to that trash can and put it away. Um, you know, I'm pretty disciplined. You can be, you can leave it. You know, I... I can, I can leave a dog bag uh, with poop in it and then come and pick it up on the way back. That's not a problem. Uh, you just have to be disciplined in remembering it. Uh, yeah, and you see this whole pile of them next. You know, there's well, because one. Because you left it there. Well, no, I'm picking it up, <laughs> yo. Um, uh, here in Sonoma, there are a couple of trails where there it really is no garbage can, and these people are leaving it right at the gate, and it's just, uh, you know. It's not that bad to take it and put it in your car and take it home and put it in your trash can. Yeah, there's plenty of fast food drive restaurants around here. You can drop it off at uh, right know, drive through. Yeah. I walk Ladybug uh, here in Redding, Connecticut, at this beautiful meadow where no one ever goes. And it's, it's surrounded by uh, brush, so it's very safe for her to be trailing a long leash. And I just made a horrific discovery. Evidently, somebody else is walking their dog there, and they bag the poop and then throw it into the woods and you can't see it in the summer but all the leaves have disappeared and i just discovered there's like 20 blue bags of poop the guy takes an organic poop puts it in plastic and throws it in the woods yeah i'm i well i put out i put a video i put a drop camera out there to see exactly who this is and then rain terror on them uh that was exactly my thought yes uh you know, oh, I bet their excuse would be, well, the bag is biodegradable. You know, it's, uh, is it? well, some of them are, yeah, but I, you know, not for 50 years. And it probably takes a, you know, uh, anyway, yeah, it'll, it'll it's awful. End, end up circling somewhere in the, in the Pacific Ocean in, the, in that circle. Of yeah. plastic, okay. So here we go. <laughs> Show at talkingdog.com. That's how you're going to put in your pet peeves and hopefully we'll get them. But you know what? Well, maybe we'll have a pet peeve segment every day, like pet peeve of the week. And we, that will spark a little. Well, You're, and actually, we should clarify too. It's talking t a l k i n d o g dot com. Yes. Um, you know, here's one of mine. Uh, tethering a dog in public, like outside of the store or somewhere, um, and you've left like five to ten feet of your retractable leash or a long leash out. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, the dog now can move around with like a 20, a 20, 20 foot perimeter around whatever anchor you've uh, established. It's, it just drives me crazy. It, uh, it works as a clothesline move where you're, you're going to trip somebody. And uh, it also allows the dog to approach a stranger and possibly knock them down. Mm. Yeah. Well, retractable leashes in general are a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Very dangerous. Yes. Really? Okay, yeah. expand on that a little bit. Well, yeah, I'll be happy to. Um, there are a number of reasons. The, the thin ribbon that it's made of is like a knife. If it goes behind your legs or you have to grab it, 
it can cut you. It's generally very, very thin or, or uh, a rope or a ribbon. And, and it's just absolutely not safe. It, I've seen kids, you know, with cuts on behind their knees. I've had clients who one who needed surgery on their hand who had to grab a heavy dog at an emergency. Um, I've also had a client whose dog was hit by a car while on that leash. Um, you think that the little buttons clicked and it's not, or it malfunctions Yep. and bam. Yep. And it, the third thing is that if you drop it, now it's chasing your dog down the street. Um, I think almost every trainer in America would like to see those leashes no longer manufactured. I, I don't like them at all. Yeah, no, I, you know, you cannot control a dog that's 20 feet in front of you on a retractable line. It just doesn't work. Um, you just can't control it. And, you know, if you have a well-behaved dog, it's one thing. You know, you, you know, if you've got a Disney dog at the end of your leash that understands English and will obey everything you ever say, <laughs> then that's possible. Uh, but, no, it's, they're just uh, – it's, it's not a good thing. I really don't like them. I never recommend them. Uh, the only time – the only exception to this are these huge ones that have actual webbing. Uh, you know, like a half an inch webbing uh, that that you can actually grab onto without cutting yourself. Um, I th- you know, you, they're more like field tools than, you know, you're walking the dog down the street tool. They're heavy. They're a burden to carry, but that's one tool. It's like a long, it's more of a training tool than actually a working leash. And so I don't see them very often. And, you know, you're not going to use it for fluffy, uh, fluffy the Bichon Frise walking down the, the, the street. It's the, the leash would probably be too heavy. Just the leash itself. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I love the Bichon Frise. They're uh, they're they're a great dog. Um, highly recommend them. Yeah, me too. I love Bichons. They're great. All right. So re- the re- retractable leashes. Uh, big pet peeve. Uh, don't uh, you know? Look for other options, I guess, is what we're suggesting. Yeah, uh, there's nothing beats a six foot leather leash, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, um, let's see. Oh, here's one. Okay, so Dave and I were having coffee the other morning, and we we're talking about uh, show future shows, and um, we had a, an officer sat down, and he turned out to be a canine officer, and that's going to be a future show. It looks like uh, January 23rd. A month from... Pretty much a month from today, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're going to have uh, a canine officer and another handler in talking about what they do, how they do it, and how they handle dogs and all around that type of uh, type of handling. Um, the pet peeve that he was talking about, I also met a uh, at the library. There's a woman with a service dog, and they both had the same answer to my question about what their pet peeve was and it was people approaching their dogs and touching the dogs without your permission and he you know you can understand why the canine person has that problem the canine police handler they've got serious dogs in front of them and they have to be treated a certain way and then the service dog uh you really need to ask because uh for whatever reason it's polite it's they might not want it. I mean, the handler might be having a bad hair day and just doesn't want to deal with you. Uh, so it's always important to ask, uh, especially if you're young kids and, and it. Uh, you want to add anything to that to Dave? I mean, uh, uh, Jamie? Well, you, you mentioned the, the police dogs. Um, I've actually trained a, a couple police dogs on, uh, you know, pet containment systems. And you would think the police officer would have the command, don't kill this guy down pat. 
Yeah. But but no, 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 sir. <laughs> One of these dogs had a head like a donkey. And when you approached the officer and it went woof, woof, woof. Now, I've been training dogs for 20 years. It was all I could do to keep from running away like a schoolgirl screaming. Wow. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah, they can be yeah. intimidating. Uh, all right. Well, look, we've already reached a time for our first break. So uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jamie, thanks for being here. And when we come back, our uh, another guest, Jerry Owens, our vet on call, is going to be here. And uh, hold tight. We'll be back. Jerry, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, Jamie, are you back with us? I am. How are you doing, Jerry? I'm good. So, Jerry, we were talking about uh, pet peeves before the break. Uh, so, as a veterinarian, you must have at least 100. Well, quite a few. You know, it's uh, I was a veterinarian in practice for, well, about 46 years. And uh, did general practice and specialty work. But, you know, there's a number of things that uh, are very annoying with clients, I mean, one, of course, is being late. Yes. Um, uh, because then everybody gets late. And number two, just a simple thing, if you have a schedule of a, an appointment of 15 to 20 minutes and they want an hour, not realizing that this is, you know, an impact on everybody else who's waiting in the waiting room and those kinds of things are basic. But other, with the Internet, is a wonderful resource of information. And unfortunately, nowadays, uh, a lot of animal owners are making their own diagnoses and assumptions and get some wind of something and then Google it and come in with two, two inches worth of uh, data <laughs> and have a diagnosis and they want a treatment of whatever. And uh, they get sometimes a little bit perplexed and annoyed when you're not going along with the program of the fact that that isn't what their dog has. Uh, or, or, or they read something, they think it's the truth, and it may not be the truth at all. You have to really watch what's on the Internet. Wikipedia is fairly accurate, but it's not 100% accurate. And some of the opinions that they read from other animal owners about my veterinarian did this, and my, and my dog got better, blah, 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 you know, is not, uh, doesn't cut it when it comes down to reality. Uh, the other thing that really is annoying is when a client comes in and says, uh, I want some lab work done on my dog. And I said, what lab work would you like? Well, I want to know what's wrong with him. I said, well, that's great. Um, it kind of depends on what we find on the physical and so forth. I mean, there's probably 200 different lab tests that could be done. And I had this one client that demanded that uh, she wanted lab work, definitely. I said, okay, I gave her the blank sheet. I said, just check off as many boxes as you want. <laughs> and the bill could be anywhere from $300 or $30 to $2,000, depending on which one well, I don't know which ones to check. I said, that's right. There you go. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, so we do these panels, which are incredible. Uh, that did not exist when I got out of veterinary school in 1971, but they do exist today. And these panels are wonderful where they can do 10 to 20 or 30 different biochemical tests within minutes in a clinic and uh, certainly through a laboratory, which accentuates or, or, so the, the ability to make a diagnosis sometimes within minutes, and it's, it's exciting. Before, we'd have to wait a day or two days to get any results back. But interpretation of those results is another thing. Um, most, most lab panels, when they come back, they'll have you know, high, uh, normal, and low, 
and the, there would be a bar graph, and of course the owners are zooming in on some number, and uh, if you try to explain it, that number's not very significant. Um, <clears throat> sometimes they, they, they mean well, but they don't have the information to make a decision of what that really means. Right. <clears throat> Even veterinarians have trouble interpreting panels, and as a practitioner, when you do consultations like this, it's very easy to look at a panel. I can examine a panel within seconds and know exactly what it is and what it isn't. But um, anyway, it's something that the, the client should trust the veterinarian to discuss things and to be open and honest and have questions and not have necessarily judgments in advance of what they want to have done or should be done but certainly willing to make or ask questions and then to discuss. And on another note, quickly, uh, second opinions are terrific. And I think that any client should request a second opinion if they don't understand what's happening to their dog with the first opinion or they have any question that it may or may not be the right thing to do. And... Uh, I think second opinions are wonderful, whether it's in human medicine or veterinary medicine. I was often the resource of the, for the second opinion or third opinion or fourth opinion. And not to say that I was always right, but I did see what was going on. And because of my experience, was able to often expedite the diagnosis, whether agreed or disagreed with the referring veterinarian. Um, but I was trying to help people get the right answers. So it's something to be patient, be informed, but don't have judgments in advance of what you think your dog has and what you want to have done to your dog. Right. And that's it. So those are the kind of things. Well, good good advice. Uh, it's, it brings up a point about being informed, but also taking notes during the uh, your appointment, bringing in your questions that you have, uh, yes. being able to come back with questions that you have, but being prepared, uh, yes. being your dog's advocate by uh, being prepared, Listening, actively listening to uh, to somebody is incredibly important. And to also to have a file of the dog's uh, medical folder with previous blood tests, biopsies, cytologies, cultures. Yep. But sometimes, it's funny, some people are very meticulous about data. And I had this one lady who, it's well, actually more than once, Every time the dog had a bowel movement, she would record it. The time, <laughs> the volume, the appearance, and everything. And it was very interesting. It went on, you know, multiple times a day for two weeks. And urination also, you know, how long was the dog outside? And it's like, whoa. I mean, I have better things to do than that. If somebody asks me what my dog's bowel movement looked like, I have no clue. But this lady, I mean, she she had it down. That didn't. She had to do it because she thought it was very important, and I couldn't uh, discount her for that. It was just, you know, very quickly I could zip through, you know, right. two, two weeks of that data. And, but, you know, <laughs> you, people are very uh, anal retentive when it comes to details about their pets. Even Most if their dogs people. aren't, right? Is that Right. <laughs> but, but, see, some people don't have a clue, and I would be a terrible historian. Um, how's your dog eating? I said, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, you know, I mean... I don't watch my dog have bowel movements or, or go out to the bathroom. I don't know unless there's something he does in front of me. But obviously, many clients are watching everything. And that's good data. It does add up. It helps the veterinarian tremendously because it gives you accurate information. Is he drinking more water? 
That's a good question, very commonly asked by veterinarians. And the owner should respond, if it's positive, yes, don't lie. Uh, if you don't know, you don't know. It's not a big deal. I would not know if my dog drank more water than normal. Um, I would know, not know what normal was necessarily. The dog drinks in the gutter or drinks, you know, from the toilet, you know, who knows. So, but it is important. And in some disease conditions, it's very important. And uh, so it's just getting records and advice from, well, not advice really, but records of your observations of your own pet that you can transfer that information to your veterinarian, which does help, you know, make the judgment of what might be wrong with the dog. Yeah, I gotta say, I've I've personally witnessed the majority of my dog's bowel movements. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> that's, that's I hope you're not actually writing down yes. what they, you know. Well, you know, with you know, it's become the thing. You got to pick up after your dog, yeah. and I think people are definitely uh, in tuned more with the dog poop than than ever before. Dave, you want to say something? Just the pet peeve I was thinking about earlier in the week. Uh, there were a couple dogs that showed up at uh, the coffee shop. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, dogs in restaurants. Uh, there are more and more places that are allowing dogs into their establishment and uh, canine, uh, <clears throat> canine etiquette while you've got a dog in a restaurant. What are you going to allow that dog to do? Uh, are you going to be allowed? Are you going to allow it to approach another person while they're in the coffee shop or uh, the restaurant? I was in a restaurant uh, a little bit a few months ago where. They, there was a woman with two small white dogs. I don't know what they were, but they were, you know, ankle biting, lap warming, uh, uh, early warning detection dogs. So she's taking food off the plate in the restaurant and feeding the dog. And then she was taking her water glass and then letting the dog drink out of the glass. And, you know, I'm a dog person. I love dogs. I don't even mind dogs in restaurants. But when you're feeding the dog off a table, uh, there's, there, the restaurant can get in trouble. Yeah. So I went up to the, uh, to the, uh, to the uh, manager and I told him and he was shocked. And I think, you know, that on my way out of the restaurant, I didn't want to deal with uh, dirty looks or anything. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's a pet peeve. Um, uh, you know, just there was a there was a guy at a art reception um, here in town a couple of years ago, and he had another you know uh, uh, small dog in his hands, and he would go to the table of food, pick something off the table, feed it to the dog. The dog would lick his fingers, and then he'd go back to the table for right. more. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that gentleman uh, was asked to leave um, because somebody yeah. did actually see that go on. Um, yeah. And, you know, goodbye. Thanks for coming. That's, well, i got to tell you a funny story. I was, I was on a vacation, and it was at an outdoor restaurant, and these people had a golden retriever, and it was underneath the table very quietly. Well, if I see a dog, I try to get its attention. So I wiggled my fingers. The dog perks up starts to wag a little, and I started, you know, showing my friendly response, and then I approached the dog. The dog now is wagging like crazy because he's going to get petted. So I got the dog all wound up, petted the dog, and then went back to my table, and the dog was going bonkers because I wanted to, you know. The, the owner of the dog looks at me and he says, thanks a lot. Yeah. You know, so, but, you know, it's fun. I, I, that was probably not appropriate, but I do enjoy grabbing the dog's attention anywhere and you can do it just by clicking your fingers and and wag you know you just look at them in the eye and, and you get them happy and it's always fun to have a dog get happy you know although the timing of that particular wasn't so good did you ask the owner <laughs> first no I, I didn't see i snapped my fingers to get the dog's attention i was yeah. probably 20 feet away 
I kept moving my hand. The dog was getting more and more excited. It stands up, starts wagging. He was still under the table at the time. You could see the dog says, come, come, come. So yeah. I went over and petted the dog, told the guy he's got a nice dog. By that time, the dog was wanted to be my friend. You know, oh, so, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it was just a funny day. No, he was, he was okay with it. It was just kind of funny. All right, well, we got a few more minutes before the break, and we can talk about this also after the break. Um, but I was reading about this story in the news the other day about a, I can't even remember what town it was or city, but it was a restaurant. No, it was a bar slash dog park. And these. It's Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay, thank you, Dave. Uh, and they had, it must have been a membership kind of thing where, because I don't think you can allow people to come into an establishment and eat and have them free room. I don't know. It was something incredibly. Um, and they were they couldn't get a lease because nobody wanted to rent their space out and create a dog park. Mm. And so they were they were serving. It was a bar and a dog park. Can you imagine that, Jamie? Mm. Yeah. You know, when I was living in Berkeley, I, I thought that it would be a great idea, a place that you could bring your dog and have a beer. And people generally talk to each other when they have dogs. Um, but thinking about it more, um, there, there's some obvious problems you could see arise from that. Um, who's responsible for the dogs playing when the inevitable fight breaks out, mm. for example? Right. Can a little kid go in the, in the area with a whole bunch of dogs? They must exactly. have insurance that is astronomical <clears throat> to do that. Well, that's why I think it's more of a club than um, anything. You know, I don't think anybody off the street can come there. This particular place, you remember those black, hard, black mats, Jamie, that we had at the dog daycare? I do, yes. Those things are disgusting. And um, <laughs> there was, there's no way to keep those things clean. And they had the whole floor hmm. lined with them. And then, there, you know, they didn't have them sealed together. So it was like a patchwork of quilt with cracks in it. Hmm. Urine and feces getting in there and getting under it. I can guarantee you that these people were not lifting those mats and cleaning right. underneath that. And it's just disgusting. I mean, maybe all the, the beer on the floor might have been disinfecting <laughs> it. Is that well, yeah. yeah. All the bleach in the world not going to get under that mat and uh, and deal with that. So I, I wonder what the smell was like. Um, mm. Well, you know, I, I was thinking that also there would be a, a cool concept for a, 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 a um, restaurant would be half of the restaurant would be glassed off and your dog could play, you know, in the other half with some handlers or something or maybe have the do dog daycare on one half and then have the restaurant on the other. Uh, I don't know. We can talk about this more in a few minutes. Uh, you want to send your questions in, uh, the uh, email address for that is show at talkingdog.com and we will be back in just a few minutes. Do it all at ksvy.org. So I, I had a thought on the break. Uh, you know, crazy idea. We come up with almost an idea every week. Instead of bringing the dog park into the food, why don't we take the food to the dog park? I mean, you got trucks rolling, food trucks. Why not have a food truck 
I can't think of anything worse than bringing a dog food truck. In. No, I think it'd be a great idea. I mean, not a dog not, food not truck. A oh, you know what? You're right. Uh, actually, <laughs> the Point Isabel in Berkeley, a huge dog park. They actually built a concession stand for somebody, and they have a concession permit. And there's a dog. Uh, they sell hot dogs and co- coffee and other things like that. Yes, not, uh, not a restaurant. They're just a, like you say, a concession stand. Yeah, it's a concession stand yeah. with. Uh, and yeah. you know what? I think they're making a lot of money. Yeah, um, they wouldn't have the insurance of the of a restaurant, right? Like yeah, the and, East... and and basically anything is better with a taco truck. But... <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> taco truck and beer. Yeah, yeah. And, so and then who needs the dogs? I mean... <laughs> I've got a funny one for you. Last week, I had a friend that's his dog gets real nervous in the car ride. He says, "Is there a tranquilizer that?" Um, I can give my dog. I said, well, there are, but why don't you just have him drink a, like a half a can of beer? <laughs> I mean, uh, that'd do it. It's not going to get him a little tipsy. Uh-huh. Trust me, a 50-pound you know, dog with a half a can of beer, it's just as easy as Ace Promazine. Well, I like that idea. That's pretty cheap. Why not? I so, mean, what yeah. about what about other doggy downers? What do you what do you say to somebody who, let's say, fireworks or you know, New Year's Eve is coming up? Yeah. What do you what do you say to that? Well, I mean, they have the you know tranquilizer pills, whether it be Valium or Acepromazine. That's probably the most common thing. Valium is pretty expensive today, but Acepromazine is inexpensive. I mean, I never really recommended in the past alcohol, but seeing a dog drink. Some dogs love beer, and I have seen dogs oh. drunk. In fact, I actually saw a picture of a bear that uh, was up in the mountains and had got drank 36 cans of beer, and it was passed out. And it took two days <laughs> for the park rangers to get the beer. No, it was a picture of this bear with a can of beer in its head. Totally. <laughs> but I mean, they're mammals. They're going to respond to alcohol just like we would. Yogi on a bender. Well, it was the beer. It was just like the taste of uh, Budweiser or whatever it was. But, uh, no, I mean, that was just for this one friend. I said, you can get the pills, and that's fine. But I think, you know, around 4th of July, it's, or, uh, you know, with the fireworks, they do have those those thunder shirts, you know, those T-shirts. And, actually, those help a lot of dogs. I don't know. Stress. Tell me. I don't think I'm familiar no, it's a with tight, this. it's like a T-shirt, and it's a wrap. It's a tight wrap around their chest, and it's sort of like simulating being hugged. And yeah, that's sort of what the Temple Grandin had created for. It's for a wonderful idea. And I people on the autism spectrum have like a squeeze thing yeah. that, that makes you feel better. And it just feels like you're, you know, it's a safety net. It's like a blanket. I Interesting. Mean, yeah. And Temple Grandin, she was a big agricultural person and she, they, uh, she created a squeeze for the cows that were going in for slaughter and it relaxed them yeah, it uh, would. during I mean, the how process. How would you feel? Somebody yeah, gave well, a big hug you know, right before yeah. I go into slaughter. You know? <laughs> so, oh, I could definitely you know, use a half that, a beer. Not to bring everybody down a level, but <laughs> yeah. hey, we're talking dog here. And, uh, Where's my beer? Yeah. No, but I, but you know, I don't know of any other sedatives, um, you know, oral pills. I mean, I was used Ace Provazine because it was so safe. Yeah, but um, so you, you can know. go to the vet and get one yeah. of those pretty easily. Yeah, Ace Provazine is very safe, and it's the the Dose to it's to effect. In other words, a, a big dog might maybe get 25 milligrams or 50 milligrams, but if you gave him 200 milligrams, the only thing to do is going to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, you can't overdose them with these promising. Well, oh, I, I think know. the Thunder shirt is uh, something everybody should look into. It's, uh, that sounds like an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, it seems good. I, I, but um, anyway, 
that that would be my recommendation today with with dogs that are that don't like lightning or thunder or loud noises from trucks and things. It's you know I think I told the story tonight of um, when I moved to New York City and this carriage horse had just come in from Connecticut. Did I tell you that story? No, I don't think so. You were no, there no. that long ago? Was that uh, uh, seventy one? I oh, just been uh, living in New York for a, um, like two weeks. I just got out of veterinary school, and the, the carriage horses were um, stabled underneath the FDR drive. And so the Animal Medical Center where I was working was right there. So somebody came running up the steps, or the, the uh, ramp, wanted to know if any veterinarian had, knew anything about horses, and I did. So I said, sure, what's up? And I went down there, and this horse was going bonkers. It just come in from a Connecticut off the trailer, and the noise of FDR drive and the honking, the horse was going crazy, and because it was there to pull a carriage in Central Park. And so I just went back into the hospital and got uh, I think two cc's of Ace Promazine, and went down, and I'm proud to say I deftly placed into his jugular vein, and that sedated the horse, and then it started to relax, and then it got used to the noise, and then was able to work pulling the carriage. I'd only do that's uh, that's how I react when I go to New York from Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was. I don't know how often that happens, but I think the horses accommodate. I don't know if they have earplugs in them. Two, that's what I would do is put earplugs earplugs in. Yeah. But the, it's a lot of noise then. Now it's not as noisy as it was in 1971, but it's it pretty bad for these poor horses that had to pull the carriage all day across Manhattan through the park. But it was, uh, that was just ace promising. And it was, uh, no, that's just a good drug to sedate them. So, Well, we all need a little sedation every once in a while. And, and to, to your point, Jamie, uh, I, I feel the same way going to New York too. So it, you know, usually that's why there's so many bars there. I think you need that <laughs> to take the. Yeah, I mean, I'm only I'm, I'm commuting distance from New York here, and, and it's a it's a wonderful city. It's it's, it's clean, but I, I'm I'm a country boy at heart. There's just too yeah. much going on for me. There's a lot going don't. on. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of a lot going on, and while we're on a medical topic, uh, during the break, the question came up about this uh, disease that's been being, it's been spread by puppies at, uh, I, don't, I don't know if they're at, uh, at pet shops or where, but uh, it's a Campylobacter. Um, oh, I know Campylobacter. Yeah, apparently it's become, I mean, there's a, I just looked, there's a yeah. CDC announcement well, about it. Let's remember well, where puppies come from for, uh, when you buy them at puppy shops or pet stores. These are puppy mill dogs generally. Well, Campylobacter is a bacteria that grows in the stomach. And uh, it's something you can culture. It's very easy to treat in a dog. Now, I was unaware of the fact that the people are getting Campylobacter from dogs. I could see it because it's the same bacteria in human as it is in a dog. But the person would have to ingest uh, something from the dog's stomach. In other words, the saliva or vomit or something had to be maybe touch the vomit or something. Because that's the only way I could... I never look at it as a contagious disease. A dog gets it in the stomach, and it can cause chronic gastritis, and can be tricky to diagnose, um, and sometimes requires endoscopy and cultures, or you just treat them empirically with erythromycin. But it's, uh, yeah, I did not know about this supposed epidemic. I mean, Campylobacter has been around as an infectious agent for gastritis in dogs for probably 20 years, so I didn't know about this other thing that you're talking about. Yeah, I just saw it briefly. I didn't get a chance to read it, just that uh, it was affecting uh, more than a few people out there. Well, they're well, doing something, some public health situation. They're not um, paying attention, I think. I mean, that would be my guess, based on what I know about Campy. So, 
Do they allow big? puppy mill uh, pet stores in Sonoma, Gardner? Uh, no. We don't have pet stores. In no, no. Well, we got two. We got Pet Food Express and uh, our great uh, local, uh, locally owned pet store, the Sonoma Pet Center. And no, oh. nobody's selling pets out of uh, well, they're dogs. Not, uh, they're not. Definitely, I'm pretty sure no dogs. There are cats that they have for adoption. Yeah, they're doing uh, rescue yeah. and adoption for the local uh, organizations. But, you know, I've never seen a puppy up for adoption at these places. Now, better go to your local shelter's actual facility for that kind of thing. Uh, you know, before we uh, go on, uh, we're at KSVY is having a uh, vote for your favorite radio show contest. And I just want to put a plug in for ourselves, but also for the radio station. Uh, you can go to the uh, ksby.org, and um, on the homepage, you're going to find a drop-down menu to, uh, to be able to pick us. There's lots of great programming here on KSVY, uh, but we like to think uh, we're the new kids on the block. We are the new kids on the block. And uh, we are, uh, we're loving it, and we like having you guys listen. So if you les- listen and appreciate us, Go on over there and uh, pick us. And then you, to, to finalize the pick, uh, we're asking for a small donation. And you can pay for a credit card or with PayPal. And we would really appreciate that love and support. Um, and uh, any amount is, uh, would be appreciated. And that, just to clarify, too, that, that all goes to the station, to the operation of the station. Those of us on the inside here in the studio, we're here volunteering our time. Talking That's right. Do- talking dogs. Talking dogs. And we are a 501c3, so, and it is tax-deductible donation, so you can think about that. Okay, so we got about five minutes left, six minutes left. Uh, any hot topics we want to talk about? Well, we covered one of them, and I was just going to add to it. I think the uh, just not to, to rewind, but to, to emphasize perhaps one of the, the scary things about this uh, Campylobacter outbreak is apparently it's multi-drug resistant. So um, maybe it's yeah, erythromycin used to be the answer. So maybe that's yeah. gotten resistant to that. That's a very good antibiotic. So I have to read the article. Yeah, it's. I mean, and I, I, we had read about it earlier in the week when we were having our production meeting. But I just to pull up the notes, came across this is a post on the CDC uh, from two days ago. So yeah, there are a little. uh, There are other antibiotics similar to erythro. So it, but I, I imagine they can culture it and then figure out which antibiotic. Erythromycin is very potent. Aminoglycoside, and there are others. So it'll be interesting for me to learn about it, yeah. too. Well, I think the, the, just the quick the, the takeaway from all of this, and, and whether you read it on the CDC site or any of the press that's been out there, which comes back to a pet peeve, really, bringing this all the way back, is after you handle your dog, wash your hands. Yep. Can't stress that enough uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. But, uh, yes, uh, wash your hands. Say, uh, say the alphabet while you wash it. And then uh, rinse off. So say that's, the alphabet. Well, yeah, that's a new one. Say the alphabet to yourself while you're washing your I hands. Know, Gardner, you got some issues. Well, I am trained. <laughs> I am trained in yeah. infection control, so I do know what I'm talking about here. It's, it gives enough time for the soap to work, and then you can move on. All right. I got While we're on the meds thing, Jerry, we talked about this uh, the first couple of uh, first show. We were talking about med kits for home. Can you recommend? Uh, what you like to see in a home med kit? Sure, for an for animals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, certainly uh, bandage material, uh, well adhesive tape, uh, cotton. Uh, these non-stick gauze sponges. 
mm-hmm. that you can buy over the counter that are part of first aid. That you can. It's not dry gauze. It's a. It's a sponge that has a, like a plastic surface so it doesn't stick to the wound. Got it. And uh, an antibiotic ointment. And it, these are all available in in antibiotic. Well, in those first aid kits. But basically, like band aids. Band aids don't work well in dogs and cats. But you, so you need good adhesive tape that doesn't. It's not too sticky, but can wrap. You know, for a pressure bandage if you get bleeding or a gross infection that you want to cover. So basically bandage material like that. And what about hydrogen peroxide to make your dog puke? Oh, that's, uh, oh, that's a different subject. You know, peroxide is great, one, to clean the wound. But, uh, yeah, I always thought hydrogen peroxide was great as an emetic. It's very safe. Um, you, you know, in a, say, a 50-pound dog, maybe 30 mils of hydrogen peroxide will produce enough gas to make them vomit. And certainly is an easy thing. It's a lot easier than mustard or Ipecac if you don't happen to have that. Oh, you're talking about vomiting, vomiting uh, inducing vomiting. Yeah. What about exactly. on the wound itself? Well, that's fine. I think it's a lot better than alcohol. You'd want to use something simple like peroxide to clean or even what they used to use is Massengill's, just a, an antiseptic to wash a wound. Um, it's uh, But peroxide is great for getting things out. And you know, the re- reality is if you have a big wound, it's going to have to be probably sutured up anyway. So I wouldn't get too worried about the dirt that's in it if you're going to the veterinarian. Because um, the, they're going to have to get pulled out anyway. But if it's just grossly infected, um, saline is better than tap water. Um, and certain hydrogen peroxide is easy to apply, and it's inexpensive, and it can't hurt them. Okay, it does good. produce heat. So you have to be careful just that it's, it's thermophilic. But. Well, we've come to another end of our show, uh, another hour of great radio, Talking Dog. Uh, Jamie, I want to thank you for tuning in or uh, contributing from Connecticut. Stay warm. Uh, keep that dog safe in the front seat. And uh, uh, hopefully we're going to uh, hear from you again soon. Well, and we, yeah. in, the, in the meantime, we're going to send you a bottle of wine for your next trip into New York. Uh, we'll come to Sonoma. <laughs> Yeah, be careful out there. Jerry, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. As usual. A lot of fun. Great talking to you. Happy to Uh, share. Dave, have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, thank you.